Otherwise on SAFM. And welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Shadow Twala, Hazel Makuzeni is my producer, and Derek Fordyce is our technical producer today. 0891-102010 is our number in the studio and our email address, otherwise at safm.co.za. You asked for it, and now it's here. FAFM proudly presents the best of the African Connection Christian Wamba, the dance edition. Dance yourself silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African Connection Christian Wamba, now available at reputable CD outlets. Have you booked your seats for Restaurant Week yet? Restaurant Week means fine dining deals with special menus for great prices. Quickly book your seats in top restaurants nationwide at www.restaurantweek.co.za forward slash SAFM. Restaurant Week, fine dining at the best for less. Brought to you by Dining City in partnership with SAFM. Otherwise, on SAFM... Now, oh, okay. <laughs> Ethics Exchange is a platform of some of South Africa's leading opinion makers to challenge our thinking and behavior when it comes to ethical decision making. Now, we know that between individual behavior, private business, and government dealings, unethical choices seem to be to have been accepted as the norm. And why is this? Well, we're hoping my guest, Dr. Giada Del Fabro, will answer some of these as she's speaking at this event. Dr. Del Fabro, hello and welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me on your show. Did I say Giada properly? Perfectly, thank you. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I always need to check because I, I can get up people's collars. But do we, have it, do we all have it in, uh, within us to become corrupt and fraudulent? Corruption is an interesting concept uh, in the sense that really what, what the research has shown is that one's integrity is based on a continuum. So it's not to say that one either has it or one doesn't, but that depending on situational factors, anyone can be vulnerable to committing fraud um, and acting in, in criminal ways in, in certain situations. Um, but what you'll also find is there are a group of individuals that have particular deficits in this in this area, and and those would be um, your more kind of psychopathic group, um, in which case a lot of that is intractable, and they have less less integrity or, or, or very little or none um, compared to the average member of the public. Well, you know, we, we're talking about, especially in in private businesses and, and and governments, and a lot of employees now who are employed in organisations are being discovered, how do we recognize them? How do we, before we even have them in our employ, recognize the, 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 the possibility of, of, being, of being corrupt? I mean, if we think of, I mean, to really simplify it, to, to think of it in two groups. So we've got those individuals where sort of the deficits are more entrenched, um, that are more on the sociopathic scale. Um, but they can sometimes be very hard to identify proactively because they are quite charming a lot of the characteristics that they have are those that can make them quite successful in organizations and quite high up in management positions um, and, and functioning quite well at those levels. So sometimes it is quite hard to 
identified preemptively. Um, but what you would be looking for um, across the board is really the kind of individual who struggles with empathy um, in terms of putting themselves in the shoes of someone else, who um, may be more prone to risk-taking, um, who's more impulsive, mm. um, and, and, yeah, has sort of more superficial relationships with others. Um, in terms of the second group, which really um, what I'm saying is that anyone could potentially find themselves in those situations, it would be more about trying to preempt um, situations uh, which could make people more vulnerable. And, and it may be around monitoring um, what's going on for that person. Um, are they, you know, do you notice that they start dressing more extravagantly, um, living beyond their means? Um, is it possible that they, they're starting to get involved in a substance problem or um, gambling? Um, and those also would would involve quite a close monitoring, obviously not in the authoritarian way, but in more supportive way mm. um, in organizations to pick this up before, before it spirals out of control. But I guess we need to start before they enter an organization. We need to start at home. We need to start with families because mm. these can be identified uh, at an early age, I suspect. Completely. I mean, I think in, in terms of, of, of someone that becomes just a serial offender in this, in this regard, um, what, you, what you really need to look at is um, the attachment. So what you find is very early on um, as a child and in their early development, um, what's so key to prevent these kinds of personality traits from emerging is a strong bond uh, between the caregiver and the child, mm-hmm. um, one in which qualities such as empathy are instilled. Um, and, and that needs to be reinforced and supported. And I want to ask you how we reinforce and and, and support that, but just generally our morality and how do we measure our morality? Because I think that's, that's, that's really where we, we need to, 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 what we need to look at in a deeper context. I mean, it's quite, it's hard because I mean, morality is is quite a subjective issue, but if, if we, and I think the problem with morality is being so broad and abstract, how Mm. does one then, um, Conceptualize sort of practical, concrete guidelines. Um, I suppose the basic rule is, is you know, do no harm to your fellow man. Yes. Um, but the sense really then lies in how children are socialized. So how you are raised to become aware of your your community, your social environment, so that it becomes prioritized as a value for you that that you do care about your fellow man. Um, yeah, you know the thing is, it's so it's become such an easy thing. And in, 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 in the past, it was it was one didn't want to do wrong. One didn't want to, regardless of when, whether it was at work or at school or at home, you didn't want. To, and and now we seem to have generalized into these corrupt people, which affects our nation. Mm, I mean, it, it may be that there's been sort of a, a neglect of providing adequate support early on in terms of parents, in terms of caregivers. Um, we know there's definitely communities and sectors of the South African um, context which due to socioeconomic situations make it, make it difficult um, to make sure all, all of this is in place in certain ways. Um, so supporting parents, especially sort of in um, yeah, sort of single parent households, um, not, not to say, and this not, I don't want to be misunderstood, and to, to say that there's certain kinds of parents that could lead to this as opposed to others, not at all. But in terms of really having supports in place um, that allow these values to be, to be promoted, um, 
But, but really, unfortunately, what we've had is sort of a progressive time period in which, if we look at sort of our, our role models in society and mm. um, what's happening at higher levels in terms of at government level, um, it, it feels as if there's become sort of a permissiveness around yes. this kind of behavior um, or perceived permissiveness, um, which makes sort of the average man feel entitled to, to be rewarded similarly. Are social circumstances to blame, uh, for instance, if one is in debt, one, one doesn't have the means to, to survive, are those people more prone to easily be encouraged to, to, into a corruptive behavior? I mean, I think it's a complex interplay of how one has been raised, one's value system, um, which may make one more resilient in terms of the continuum that I mentioned earlier mm. around one's integrity. Obviously, there are factors that will make you more resilient and make one one man or one woman um, more likely to commit fraud than another. But 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 it would be very hard, and and um, for someone who, who starts off from that position um, that you've just mentioned um, mm-hmm. to resist the temptation. Um, Your paper, how to profile fraud and corruption in organisations. When would an organisation have you? Uh, come in and assist, and at, at what point should they be worried? I mean, I think what what happens is there's sort of a beginning, middle, and end point. So preemptively, um, I'd be involved at the recruitment phase. Mm. So in terms of you know, screening individuals um, using psychometrics or sort of a clinical interview, so that any sort of red flags that come up um, in terms of the kinds of personality traits that either would place one in a group of being more on the psychopathic side, um, would would be a, the organisation could be alerted to that. Um, then, really, the middle phase would be around working with organisations to see what programs and processes can be put in place to um, identify vulnerable individuals. Those individuals that might not constitutionally be um, vulnerable to committing fraud, but because of situational factors, may may begin to think about doing that. Um, and then sort of at the end phase, in terms of rehabilitative aspect, is when someone is found to have committed fraud within an organization, to look and see, well, which, which of those two groups do they fit mostly into? And if they are in a group which has been more around for situational factors, how can we um, equip that person to build in, put in place better coping skills, whether that's um, debt counseling or financial skills, um, or if it's the case of a substance problem or a gambling problem, mm. how do we get them the help they need? How do we help South Africa as a country? <laughs> a group session, maybe, on television, because I think it's, it's, it's cut in so deep that, you know, dealing with individual companies is, is just a part of it, but mm. there's, there's, a, there's a bigger problem. How do we pass this message on? How do we uh, roll it back, if you like? I mean, I think in terms of where we've gotten to, unfortunately, which is, is really, really, unfortunately, as, as a country, as a, as a nation, we tend to be moving more to the side of a continuum that is about entitlement and hmm. about committing these acts. So I think to sort of move it back more towards the middle, um, initially we need really stringent controls, discipline measures. Um, so in a way, there's a limit-setting process that takes place um, where people observe quite a strict and consistent 
enforcement of um, you know punishment discipline for these kinds of of behaviors and then hopefully and pair that up with um, platforms such as ethics exchange and mm. and discussions and forums where you know people start talking about the issues and start um, communicating and collaborating around generating solutions at, at different different levels um, I think if, if you can pair that up um, it, it's a start I like the platform of ethics exchange but it happens um, it, and, and it's almost talking to, to, to the converted preaching to the converted because it's a group of people who have identified the problem and are willing to do something about it mm-hmm. um, you know can we have an ethics exchange across the board, maybe, at schools, at universities, at, at technicons, and, and, and those kinds of places? I, I like, again, just to get dialogue going around the country and, and, and knowing that there's a solution to get better and maybe understanding how it affects the economy and, and just generally who we are as a, as a country. Um, I think that's a fantastic idea. And I think really to build in incentives, whether it's just acknowledgement within those different um, contexts, so whether it's in a school or university, government organizations where people are acknowledged and um, for, for ethical behavior and ethical decisions. I mean, one would think that that should just be the norm, but given where we're at, I think that kind of process is necessary. We're calling it white-collar crime. Is, is, it, is it still... What's the difference between blue-collar crime and white-collar crime? I mean, I think you know, those are very... Um, so the terms that have stuck and, and, and still used. Um, white-collar crime would be that crime that is more round. So it's, it doesn't fall into the realm of sort of theft, murder, rape. Well, it is theft, but sort of in the sense of um, the more... It's strategized. Strategized, yeah. And, and blue-collar crime just happens because there's an opportunity yeah. that, that has presented itself. Yeah, and you, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a class of crime. So if you look at... Um, White collar, it really was coined um, to as an umbrella term for crimes that happen in, in the way of fraud or corruption or embezzlement, those kinds of crimes. Now, what other work do you, I mean, what sort of clients do you see apart from companies and as far as uh, corruption is concerned and, and fraud? You know, I, I heard in the news yesterday, I think yesterday or this morning, that uh, also on the rise is, 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 is fraud on, 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 uh, on, on the Internet and those kinds of places. I mean, fraud on the Internet, there's sort of fraud around... Um, falsely claiming for leave when one is 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 not um, you know false leave claims and sick leave claims so it, it actually goes across the board I mean I think we use it as quite a broad term but I think within that there's a lot of specialisations but also um, risks sorry also risks for you know for uh, cyber c- cyber fraud I think we're talking about at, at banks and and company information especially when you're your, your staff is bringing equipment in and taking it out. Mm-hmm. Um, are, you, are you able to, to work in that area as well? So within, um, basically, it's, it's quite broadly. So in terms of the work that I've done, um, there hasn't really been a specification around one particular type or subtype. Generally mm-hmm. and often, it's, it's, a mix, it's a mixed bag. So, so there will be some individuals that are... Sort of falsely taking equipment in and out. There'll be some that are um, stealing money from companies, mm. and and so at, at the moment it's been a mixed bag, and, and depends on the organisation with which I'm working. 
Well, I, I wish you all the best with your work, Dr. Del Fabro, and thank you so much for joining us. And I hope um, you, you, you share a lot of information that will be useful to everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good luck. That was Dr. Giada Del Fabro. She's delivering a paper at the Ethics Exchange and frisking the white collar, how to provide, profile fraud and corruption in organizations. When we come back... Uh, I'm speaking with Louise van der Merwe at getting also on, on ethics, but getting a better deal for farmed animals after this. Set in the delta of the Mississippi, a 14-year-old Annie's made neck bone find a boat up a tree on one of the islands in the river. She's Their boat is actually inhabited by mud, a man on the run from the police and from bounty hunters. Someone's here. What? Someone's living in our boat. Never said your name. Mud. You can call me mud. Mud will be showing in cinemas on the 7th of December. Coming up this weekend on SAFM Sports Special, on Saturday we feature the Soweto Derby live from the Calabash from 3.30. We'll have all the Curry Cup final action when Western Province hosts the Sharks from 5.30. And we'll also bring you up to speed on the second test between Pakistan and the Proteas from Dubai. Formula One action from India, as well as the golf from Shanghai. All this and more, Saturday from 3 and Sunday from 4 with myself, Brad Brown, on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Standing around the braai, two South Africans lock horns. Steve, resident flesh handler, has caught young Tandy putting a parcel of oysters on his braai. What the hell? Tandy plays a cool. Have you never seen an oyster before, Steve? I mean, really, you must learn to branch out, huh? Steve, quick-witted as ever, responds. Yeah, oh, well, the only branches, yeah, are those ones I started the fire with, eh? <laughs> Catch all the bribery with me, Justin Bonello, and the country's most creative bribe chefs as we take cuisine to the coals, all in the name of finding South Africa's next ultimate bribe master. Every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m., only on SABC3. Otherwise, on SAFM. Well, Louise Fundamova is also part of the presenters at the Ethics Exchange uh, platform. And, by the way, it's hosted... Uh, it's hosted by Future Growth Asset Management, and I must congratulate them for doing this. But, Louise, you are welcome to Otherwise. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you thanks for coming in. You are, you are presenting a paper on um, ethical farming. Now, I didn't – just educate us a bit <laughs> about ethical farming, getting a better deal for farmed animals. Shadow, I'm sure when you shop at – Woolworths or pick and pay or wherever you shop, mm. you assume that the animals have, a, have had a life worth living. You assume that the, there's somebody taking responsibility somewhere down the line that you're not eating cruelty. Am I right? Um, oh, that's why I go and spend my money there. Right. You're making that assumption. You've made the wrong assumption. Uh, we have, as consumers, um, We've shirked, well, we haven't intentionally shirked. The, the supermarket culture enables us to shirk our responsibility towards the animals that feed us because we never see the animals on the farm. We're not allowed on the farms. We don't see it. It's all done for us. Everything, the slaughter, the everything is presented in a... And cleaned and packaged and, yes, and put in front yes. of us. So we, our response, we assume that somebody down the line has made sure that we're eating kind food. Hmm. That's a natural assumption. Well, we couldn't be more wrong, and that's where I come in. Um, we cannot, this isn't about an animal cause or a human cause. This is about who we are and having shirked our responsibility towards the animals that feed us and the kind of suffering that we're talking about. 
even a little bit is too much. But the kind of massive suffering we're talking oh about is um, it, it's, it's, it makes us, how can we ever be proudly human? For as long as, if we know about it, even a little bit, we cannot go on like this. But then I trust, apart from shirking my responsibility, you I have intentionally done that. Yes, but I, I trust my supermarkets. Yeah, well, you should. I, I, I trust the businesses that um, um, that depend on me for their for their livelihood. For instance, yes, you mentioned you know all the supermarkets that are big supermarkets. How responsible are they at at um, sweeping this under the carpet? Well. Um, Woolworths has banned. First, we will tell you. Uh, we, we, you will tell us what you're talking about, because you've put an ugly picture in front of me. Of yes. A, of is this a chicken foot? Yes. Twala, listen. Um, uh, Woolworths has banned battery eggs in all its stores nationwide, and that's a plus, and we congratulate them. But at the same time, we're not allowed to see the chickens. Um, consumers, they are not allowed to go onto the farms. They're, they are the, the the numbers on those farms are so massive that if we brought a pathogen onto our foot, oh, on our feet, mm. on our shoe, mm. into the farm, uh, theoretically they could all die. And That's overnight. why we're not allowed to go. Well, that's the theory. Of course, a healthy animal can take a certain amount of pathogens on the shoes. Mm. It's only if you've got factory-farmed animals which cannot ever be healthy. They're denied the, the ability to exercise. To sun, they, they may not have any of their natural behaviors. They can't dust bath. They um, they mutilated pigs. I mean, did you, do you think that pigs don't have, still have curly tails? Mm. Are you thinking that by any chance? Do you think that? You couldn't be more wrong. Pigs don't have curly tails anymore because they cut off. But who? There's a reason why they cut off. The, let me tell you, in the barren confines of the factory farm, um, the only thing that moves, there's nothing to do, except that what is moving is the little wiggly tail of the mm. one in front. So you mouth that. And eventually you mouth it to the point where you can cause damage. Mm-hmm. So rather than have them mouthing the only thing that moves in the barren confines of the factory farm, um, you cut the tails off. You cut the chickens' uh, toes off. You cut the beaks off. You remutilate the animals to fit them for systems of confinement that are unconscionable. Now, let me just say that in the old days we used to say, um, but this is... Um, this is in the name of the poor. I've been doing this for 24 years. Mm. Uh, but don't you care about the poor? This has nothing to do with the poor. The poor, I was in Nanzamo yesterday. The poor are paying up to 30 rand more for a chicken than I would pay in spa. This is to do with profit. Louise, who is responsible? Because now, you know, you've, well, you've painted the picture yes. for us. Who is responsible to make sure that this doesn't happen? Well, now the and why has it happened for so long? Yes. Why it's happened for so long is like, in the farms. It's like apartheid. It's hidden from view. And, and that's exactly anything that is hidden from view. What is out of sight is out of mind. What the heart, what the eye doesn't see, the heart doesn't grieve over. If you were to be exposed to it, you wouldn't eat you wouldn't stand the smell of it. It's well, un- expose us to it so that we yes. don't support okay. it. Well, first of all, the supermarkets um, say that it's a consumer. They are providing. They've got a little niche there for the consumers that care. But all consumers care. Um, Gwen Duma was a, um, um, a community worker, health worker in Kyalicha, and mm. she put it well. She said, just because we're poor doesn't mean to say we mm. don't have a heart. Mm. Don't commit cruelties in the name of the poor. Mm. Now, when the, when, um, you must see the way the pigs and the chickens are, are dumped there in the poor areas. So-called, so-called uh, big lie, cheap food. Um, 
uh, how unconscionable can it be that that uh, that the very the poorest of the poor, the people in Namzamu, are uh, being forced to pay through a system that doesn't work? Their food system is broken more than I would pay if I were to buy a chicken, which I certainly would. Because there's a third and yes. the middleman and, and and somebody else and somebody else. Well, it's it's wrong. The, the supermarkets say it's up to consumers to to drive the demand. How can consumers drive the demand when they are not allowed to see? what goes on. It is the supermarkets who drove the competition between the farmers by incremental little reductions in price and based on quantity, and it's up to the supermarkets to fetch it. So you, you, you broaching this subject at, at the exchange, yes. in, in, in what, what are you hoping to achieve? I'm hoping to achieve that people become aware. Already we've got big businessmen riding in the August pick-and-pay cycle tour next year for us. Mm -hmm. It's becoming a well-known phenomenon that we cannot, uh, uh, it is unconscionable to treat the animals the way we're treating them. Mm -hmm. And um, we want big business to take this. We want supermarkets to take this and say no. We are going to be proudly human. The way we treat animals is fundamentally who we are. We'll never get a thank you from them. We have to know for ourselves that we are too decent to treat animals badly, and that's where it begins. Louise, hold that thought. We'll be back talking to Louise on getting a better deal for farmed animals after news headlines with Sam Marshall. Good afternoon. North Gauteng High Court Judge John Murphy has recused himself from the case involving former crime intelligence boss Richard Mgluli. This follows a heated exchange of words between Judge Murphy and Advocate William Mankari, who is representing the police. Beckersdale Township on Gauteng's West Rand remains under a dark cloud of smoke from burning tyres. Police have dispersed protesters in Beckersdale after the protest there spilled over to the neighbouring Simunye Township. And Kenya's police chief David Kimayo has threatened journalists with arrest after they reported on looting and disarray among security forces during the massacre at Nairobi's Westgate shopping mall. These and other stories at the top of the hour. And Natalie Germanos, how's the second test going? Well, it's certainly going well for South Africa, that's for sure. Pakistan are struggling today. They've had very, very little reward for all the work that they've put in, but South Africa have been brilliant, in particular Abe de Villiers and Graham Smith. De Villiers has now moved up to 116 of 174 balls with 14 fours and 1-6. Graham Smith is on 181 of 291 balls with 14 fours. South Africa are now 370 for four. The lead is 271, so getting very close to the 300 mark for South Africa and unfortunately from Pakistan's point of view it just gets tougher and tougher because Abi de Villiers first of all was dropped on naught, he was then dropped when he was on 25 as well and then also was given not out an LBW appeal from Saeed Ajmal when he was on 25 as well, the umpire said not out, they didn't have any reviews and he was shown it would have been plum LBW if they went to the reviews so he's had a lot of lives go his way, then went on 100 one, A.B. de Villiers was given out LBW, South Africa reviewed it and it was showing to go down the leg side so it was overturned, so A.B. de Villiers getting another life and Lady Luck is certainly with the South African wicketkeeper at the moment. South Africa then uh, with A.B. de Villiers on 116 Graham Smith 181 South Africa 370 for 4 and they lead by 271 and we're into the final session of day 2. Matthew Germanis for SAFM Sport. Otherwise, on SAFM. Talking ethical farming with Louise van der Merwe, who's been a journalist uh, and has worked towards a better dispensation for farmed animals in South Africa for the last 24 years. Louise, you're speaking at the ethical exchange, ethics exchange. Um, 
before I let you go, though, I want you to tell us um, what, how we, as 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 uh, individuals who do support uh, the the or who buy the meat and the chicken and and the pig that we see, or pork, beef, and chicken. At, at, at supermarkets, what do, we, what do we need to do? How do we further your cause? Well, first of all, uh, be very out there. You can, if, you, if it doesn't say free-range, it's not free-range. If it's not free-range, it means the animals had a bad deal, unconscionable, that you cannot imagine the misery, the squalor. But can I not just buy a free-range stick and put it on anything? That, um, that, that, that is why we need, we actually need, I mean, uh, down the line, we need community farms where can, we can see what's going on, mm. where we can partake in the farming life, where it becomes this business of farms way out, where you can't even st- set foot on them is ridiculous. But what we need is for the uh, supermarkets to know that it matters to us if this piece of meat or the, these eggs, it doesn't say free range, I'm assuming therefore that they were bought in a battery, please, please take your eggs back. I've taken them off your shelf yet. Take them back. Remember this moment because um, I am depending on you as a supermarket manager to provide me with humane food. So not buying is enough. Is, is not enough. Not buying is enough. It's actually telling Being them the reason why you're not buying. Tell them. And ask, ask, what you, ask what you're buying. Ask and why is, it, why is it that we cannot depend on you to give us humane food because we can't go onto the supermarkets. The only people we can depend on is you because your suppliers go onto the, um, uh, sorry, I said supermarkets. Yeah. The, the, your, the supermarket suppliers go onto the farms. They mm. see it. Mm. They are our eyes and our ears. They are the and, accomplices as and well. And therefore we say, please ensure that the food you produce is humane. And also we've got to stop this um, uh, idea that we have to have uh, a chicken in the pot every, every not, day. Not only every day, but breakfast, lunch and supper. And, 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 uh, Take responsibility for our own health. You know, the UWC is currently doing research that I've been part of, um, whereby they are taking swaps to see what is causing the illness among the, the poorest of the poor. The, the bacteria on those chickens that I got for UWC yesterday, I want to tell you, you wouldn't touch a chicken if you were to see it. Listen, after Essex Exchange, I want you to come and spend more time with me and let's just unpack because I've learned so much. I didn't even know you were doing the work that you're doing and I think a lot of people didn't know. So let's unpack it bit by bit and I do invite you in to come back after after the exchange. But thank, thank you, you so much for joining us and thank you for raising it and thank congratulations you. for your passion <laughs> and the strength. And I'm giving away two tickets to because it's, it's ethic, the Ethic Exchange program is packed, jam-packed. Uh, there's a science writer who will be talking about food ethics. The, you know, we just did the tip of the iceberg. So 5th November, it's in Cape Town, unfortunately, at the Fugard Theatre, but you may get them on their email, ethicsexchange.co.za, lots of speakers on the 5th. But you may give me an email, email otherwise at safm.co.za, and just tell me where Ethics Exchange is going to be. You may follow them on Twitter as well at ethics, ethics X change, um, and send your email to otherwise, and I'll give two tickets out to, for you to go and attend. Thank you so much for joining Thank me. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Otherwise, on SAFM. Right. Now we have the Namasigo Storytelling and Book Celebration Festival, which happens on the 25th of October, starts at 9 in the morning and finishes at 5 in the afternoon. Um, and 
On the line with me now is Dr. Trina Mshalpe. Hello. Dr. Mshalpe? Oh, okay. Dr. Trina Mshalpe is on the line, hopefully, but she's going to be chatting to me. She's the, 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 the founder of uh, Trina Masigo and the storytelling and book celebration, and it's part of her bigger experience as uh, the founder of uh, Trinama Siegel uh, Heritage, Heritage Fund. Let me just double-check that. Trinama Siegel Festival and Readathon she has. No, it's D Festival and Readathon. Trinama Siegel Arts and Heritage Trust. That's what I was looking for. Arts and Heritage Trust. She's on the line with me now. Doctor, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, darling. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. How are you doing? Well, happy birthday to you. I'm very, very well, happy and feeling so blessed. You've no idea. Well, you must. You're doing such amazing work. <laughs> I don't know where you find the time to do all of these things. Let's just take a, a, a bit and talk about the Dunamasigo Arts and Heritage Trust. What does Yay, it do? Dunamasigo. Where does the name come from? My given name is Nokukina, which means the last girl. Nothing profound about that. Mm. And um, I. Uh, but it, could it also being, mean could also mean the keeper. Nokukina could be somebody who keeps. But uh, as I grew up and um, and my name became shorter, it just became Kina. Mm-hmm. And so people always wondered what is the what is the the full name? What is the full name? People always ask this. I've never met somebody called Noku Trina. Mm-hmm. I know Trinumzi, I know Trinabantu, uh, Trinawat, but I've never met somebody called Noku Trina. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but uh, being called uh, the last girl has meant a very interesting thing also because very many times I've been the first to do this, the first <laughs> to do that, the first to <laughs> rebelling against this name. I have no idea, unconsciously. But um, in the past few years, because of my recognizable voice since I've been doing storytelling on radio for seven years running. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I, I go to rural areas and I greet people. Oh, how are you? And then they say, oh my goodness, it's a voice, it's a voice. <laughs> and so I become the voice, fine. <laughs> and then when I meet old people, they sit down, ah, you followed your name very well. Your parents must be proud. I'm thinking, okay, they're proud that I'm last. <laughs> Fine. I don't know what that means. And then they say, but isn't your name Prinamasiko? Okay. And many, many times, elder people in different rural areas, whether it's in Pumalanga or the Eastern Cape or Vazuna, they think my name is Prinamasiko. And I thought, you know what? It's such a colorful, brightly, stunningly designed jacket. I want to wear it with pride. <laughs> and so I accepted the name that my people have given me, calling me Prinamasiko, the keeper of heritage. Well, the this preserver is it. of heritage. How is that? Well, this and is it. It's, it's, that's it's, why I formed this organization. And what does the organization do? Prinamasiko is now the umbrella body of many things that we do, one of which is Nozingwadi, Mother of Books. Our literacy campaign, which started in 2001, we've been traveling all over South Africa, visiting schools, encouraging young people to read, inspiring them with true life stories that no matter how difficult things are, they can get better. 
and hard work is the name of the game, believing and focusing on your goals. Every school we visit, we donate books. Every single school we visited, we have donated books. We have brought famous, successful people to come back to the villages where they were born. Mm. And I love doing that. And also, um, one of the things we do as well, we do extreme makeovers. We go to a school, they don't have a library, but they've got a room that is kind of disused. We think, okay, we've got to bring our volunteers. We arrive at 9 a.m., we work hard, we wash the floors, we wash the walls, mm. we paint the walls, we put up the shelves, and then we fill them up with books. We get somebody to paint the sign that says, Enyo Sini Junior uh, Primary School Library. Mm-hmm. By 4.30 when we leave, the library is done. And we do things like that. And, of course, I do mentorship programs where I work with either um, teachers and librarians and I do empowerment workshops or I work with up-and-coming storytellers and young writers. And that is also part of, of what the Namasiko now is embracing. It's like the umbrella of all of these things. And six years ago, this the initiative gave birth to a storytelling and book celebration festival, one of which is happening tomorrow. Yes. Now, <laughs> now that's what I was worried about. I'm, I'm happy to hear that the, the, you're mentoring and, and bringing up young ones because... Lina, there's only one of you, and you need to give birth to thousands and thousands and thousands of others that will continue oh, the work. There are such beautiful storytellers. I'm so proud. Some of them are performing with us tomorrow, and some of them are probably going to be with us again in February. I just, I have a groovy time. I'm, I'm so lucky, and I'm loving watching young people. Oh, suddenly, and my friend Valerie Tatson from the U.S. is coming. She's around. Mm. She's here for two days already. Mm. I feel like there's this army of people that are just good, good energy all around. Now, how do we respond to the, the news day before yesterday that, you know, we have a crisis in our hands, our children cannot read or are not reading? You know what? I know, and you doing, are... you're doing your best, I know, but how mm-hmm. it seems to, there's a, a larger need of more more of the Namasigos around the country. Yeah, and there are quite a few organizations that are trying to do, are doing what we are doing. Mm. They are donating books, they are encouraging young people. There are people also that travel with pensioners to, to really disadvantaged communities and schools, and they sit there and they read with the children, they do homework with the children. And we need to, I think 2014 for me is going to demand that the Namasigo has a database. Mm-hmm. of these organizations that are doing similar work. Mm-hmm. Because they're operating alone, 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 alone is lovely, yeah, yeah, but it's not okay. Just not okay. Let's let's celebrate one another and not repeat um, um, shouting that I'm, I'm the first one doing this. You are not the first one, you're not the only one. Let's work together so that the movement of people that are saying education is the true meaning of being successful and free Without education and success for our children, freedom is a joke. And we're going to spend tons of money in 2014 celebrating. Mm. I mean, goodness me, the amount of celebration that's going to go on next year, I, I cringe when I think of the money that is going to be spent. Well, at least we know there won't be alcohol, according to the finance minister. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> There's no oh, more alcohol so. if he has anything to do. But the Nama Siegel Storytelling and Book Celebration Festival, what can we look forward to tomorrow? Ooh, we're going to be looking forward to so much. Um, we're going to have children doing book reviews, and I love it when young children do reviews of books they've read. 
and also we're going to have choral verse, we have poetry, we have storytelling, and also we are launching my book, my first book ever, to be printed out in Braille. Oh, fantastic. And yes, and the director of BiblioNet South Africa, Jean Williams, who's been a soldier, who's been our partner for 13 years since we started, she's coming up from Cape Town, and um, Deputy Minister for Women, Children, and People with Disabilities is coming. She's our keynote speaker mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. She is so committed to this kind of thing. It's rare to find somebody who's in her position. When they say yes, they mean yes. Well, good for you. And on the day of the event. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm deployed elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is so... With them, with us, and I love people like that. Well, I was talking and to Dr. Cindy Wimagona yesterday, <laughs> and she's also as that for What is it? No, she, she, she's angry. She's angry. Anyway, <laughs> rightfully so, though, rightfully so about uh, yes. about, about getting our kids to read. So that's why I'm excited so about cinema. We're having lots of, of people, and of course, we're donating books to each and every one of the school that is coming tomorrow. And um, we're going to have dance, we're going to have music, we're going to have stunning, stunning entertainment and also consciousness raising. And the theme for us the whole year is love in your language. Love in your language. Well, I was looking to at... love our languages, you know. I was it's looking... very, very important for us. And Valerie Taxon from the U.S. is performing. She is a joy to, to, to share the stage with. Sadelis Nguentuli is going to be here. And, and so it, it, it's, it's so much fun. Well, are you talking about that? I was looking at your poem, In the Company of Words. In the Company of Words, yes. I, and, and I thought if I could give it to all the children it, so that they get excited about being in the company of words. Yeah, we need to do that indeed. We need to do that indeed. And, and huh. something that I would like to say on, on SFM, if I may. Go ahead. Yeah. I think um, we need to find... Um, um, a, a possibility to say, when we're saying, let's bring back this thing of respecting ourselves and respecting those we come into contact with. Mm. Respect is flying out of the window. Mm. We need to remember what it is that makes us to be the people of this continent. And that is the mutual respect, hard work, and caring for one another. We need to bring back that for me, what drives me when I wake up in the morning, it's a mantra that I repeat to myself so often. I say, until we see a brighter future in our children's eyes, not much of what we do today has any value. Mm-hmm. Until we see a brighter future in our children's eyes, not much of what we do today has any value. Please, let's love our children. Let's love them. Let's protect them. Let's not kill and rape them. Mm-hmm. Gwina, um, all the best for tomorrow. Thank you so much for those wise words. And whenever you're in Cape Town, please come and pay us a visit. I'm going to come into the studio. I'm sure there's lots we can talk about. (laughs) I am so sure. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your birthday. Treat tomorrow as your big birthday party. God bless you. God bless you too, darling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dr. Tsunam Swabe, the festival is tomorrow, Diaconia Center, and uh, you may, if you want to contact them or book or or give donations of books, uh, Happiness Mapumulo is on 078-800-1620, 078-800-1620.
1-800-273-8220. And this is a happy birthday song from me to Tina. The name of that song by Swongile Kumalo, let's arm ourselves with words, people, and, and teach our children. I think Tina gave us some beautiful words there. It's time for Shop Shop. Today we have a number of interesting children's stories.